Welcome to our podcast, Autoimmune and You. I'm one of your hosts, Erica. And I'm your other host, Rachel. We're just two women with rheumatoid arthritis who are sharing our personal experiences managing this disease holistically. And we are both wellness coaches, so we are super passionate about empowering you to live your happiest and healthiest life. And we're back. It seriously feels like it's been forever since we recorded. I think because it has. Oh, yeah. It's been like, I don't know, we're kind of backlogged. (laughs) It's so weird because we were so used to releasing episodes every week, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. But we just put in so much time into this that we wanted to let you guys know that Erica and I, like, while we absolutely love this, you know, we're busy with other things and we do still get together almost every week. Yeah, but we don't necessarily record and release every single week because it's a lot of work behind the scenes. It doesn't seem like it would be like I used to listen to podcasts and be like, you know, upset if they didn't release every week. And now I get it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And the thing is, so sometimes we record really long conversations because we're like really into it. And sometimes our conversation kind of moves away from the kind of the original theme, I guess, of our episodes. And so Mm -hmm. sometimes we cut those up. And so it's like we can get backlogged because, you know, this is from a conversation maybe we had a month ago and then we had to piece it into several different episodes because we try to make our episodes something that you could listen to maybe on like a car drive to work or something like that, you know, not like crazy long. So we do Mm -hmm. try to keep that in mind because we know that it's not always easy to dedicate like an hour of your time listening to something. Yeah, exactly. So if we start talking about one thing and then we, so there was an episode recently where we started talking about something And then we were like, oh, we kind of segued off into talking about our coaching. And then we decided, oh, that could be a separate episode. And so, yeah, then we end up not recording for a couple of weeks, but then it's so fun for us to jump back in and start recording again. But it's also a little, I don't know, weird almost. Yeah. But, you know, it's weird when I like when we edit and then we listen to the episode, Mm -hmm. I'm like, whoa, that's where we were at like a month ago. It's crazy how drastically life can kind of change, Mm -hmm. especially when you have like an autoimmune disease. Right. It's like one week could look completely different than the next. And so it's like we were talking about like recently, the last few episodes were kind of about Rachel and her flair. And we were talking about falling Mm -hmm. off eating habits and all this stuff. And I'm sure right now Rachel's feeling a lot, you know, different. So let's kind of, yeah, let's kind of catch up with that. And then I think I might share just a little bit about where I'm at now with being on the medicine for three months. Now, probably when you listen to this, almost four months. Yeah. So First of all, when you hear this episode, this episode was probably recorded about two weeks prior to you hearing it. Mm -hmm. And so even by now, like you might see something different. And so while we absolutely want you to be listening to the podcast, because it's like we've said in the past, almost like a mini coaching session. um, Please remember that if you need, if you're looking for kind of like the up-to-date, how we're doing, go to our Instagram. Like we're always like hanging out there. Erica's posting such amazing inspirational stuff. I like to share throughout my day um, share all sorts of like fun reels and stuff. So always like come hang out with us there. If you're looking for like what is happening right now, but on our podcast, we like to kind of catch up a little bit about just life in general, but then we like to touch on specific topics. So it's a little bit different, um, style of like interacting with us basically. Mm -hmm. 
So obviously, Erica, you know how I'm doing because we just talk all the time. But to fill in listeners on how I am doing, I feel so freaking good. Ever since that first episode when I was talking about that flare and I was talking about how I think that I need to be like a little bit more strict with my eating, Mm -hmm. I have been eating completely vegan. I have always for the past couple of years been completely uh, gluten-free. Like I might have, like I've said in the past, like a bite here and there, but overall, like I don't, I don't eat gluten. Um, and so I have actually transitioned back to completely plant-based eating. And I think, yeah, I think in the past like month and a half, I've had like a bite of fish because I was at my grandparents' house and my grandpa smoked this fish and I wanted to try it. But again, kind of goes back to, I always say that I will never like completely deprive, deprive myself if I really want to try something. But yeah, that's the only literally bite of anything animal product that I've had Mm -hmm. and it feels so freaking good. So I have talked about this before, but I was completely vegan for, um, about seven months. And then I started slowly eating animal products again, um, only like fish and eggs. And then I would like transition back. So I've kind of gone back and forth for the past, like three years now. Um, not drastically, but I would like, you know, eat things here and there, but over the past month and a half, I have been really diligent and it's felt so good. And I've been thinking more and more about continuing that long-term because I know Mm -hmm. that I I just feel so good. And there's so much less inflammation. I talk about how my knees are my problem area and it's pretty much always inflamed to some degree. Yeah. And I know that it's an issue when the, when the swelling goes from my knee all the way through my foot, like that's Mm -hmm. when I'm like, okay, something is up. And that was happening like pretty frequently. I would say a couple times a week. Um, a few months back and over the past month and a half, it's only happened a couple of times. And I was, no, I was remembering looking at my legs yesterday being like, Oh my gosh, like they, I don't know. They seemed so skinny. And I was like, this is crazy. Like I can see my ankles like really well. And I've been able to for the past month. And so this isn't to say like, you know, everyone has to go plant-based and all that, but just, you know, open your mind up to it because I know that every single time that I go back to completely plant-based eating, I personally feel so much better and there's so much research to back it. Yes. Um, I'm just really quick. I do want to say guys, like there's tons of research now, like fully supporting a mm plant-based diet specifically for rheumatoid arthritis. Yeah. So like Mm -hmm. it gets me stoked when I do hear people say, it makes a huge difference whether you still have a little bit of those animal products in your diet. And it could be causing that, like Rachel said, like she was getting used to, you know, over the last month or so before that, before she got into this flare of like, you know, a little bit of this and here and there, like in the knees and stuff like that. And that builds over time if you Mm -hmm. like, you're continuously eating something. So it's like even small amounts of anything, like let's just think about it. That like you had the dairy right Mm -hmm. which you hadn't had dairy in forever Mm -hmm. you had the dairy and then it kind of like opened up the floodgates Mm -hmm. for like you know just kind of this like it was all the symptoms it was like digestive issues it was joint pain it was joint inflammation it was fatigue it was like all like brain fog all of the things came literally flooding in and I was like oh my god no wonder I don't do this yeah (laughs) And that's what I tell people like clients too. It's like, even if you're just having that little bit of milk in your coffee every morning, that is causing low grade inflammation and inflammatory response every single time you eat it. You know, like Rachel and I say, like, you know, 
customize your diet to what makes you feel good. But absolutely, I think Rachel and I can both agree that dairy is not necessary to any capacity for anyone, not even just if you have an autoimmune disease, just super inflammatory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And another thing that has helped me a lot that I realized that I kind of got away from there for a while was being really consistent with a movement um, practice because mm. I was just, I was really, really busy there for a while with all sorts of things and with friends visiting. And, you know, when friends come into town, I'm not necessarily doing a workout every single day, like I'm used to. And I know that I personally feel best when I'm doing some form of a workout every single day. Mm -hmm. And over the past month, I have been training at orange theory and I have been route climbing more often, not as often as I'd like to, but more often I've been riding my bike because I don't have a car. So I ride my bike everywhere. (laughs) And so that has seriously been the game changer. And there are days when I wake up and I'm like, oh my God, I can't even imagine getting on my bike right now to like bike to wherever. But then once I do, I feel so much better because first of all, biking is a really good low impact option for Mm -hmm. getting your body moving, especially if like my problem marries my knees, it's really good for your knees Um, Mm -hmm. and like strengthening your quads and your hamstrings and your glutes and your calves and those are, if your knees are bothering you, then you need to strengthen the muscles around them too, so that they can better support your joint that goes Mm -hmm. for any joint. And so I noticed that I was hurting more often a, because of the foods that I was eating and B, because I wasn't as diligent about my movement practice. And that looks different for everyone. Like for me personally, I take orange theory classes. I also work out at home a couple days a week. I also, um, stretch every day. I also rock climb a couple times a week. So, and like riding my bike. So it looks very different to me because I know what feels good to my body. And I've built Mm -hmm. up the strength to be able to do all of this over the past four and a half years. Mm -hmm. Now, when I first was diagnosed, it it looked like going to physical therapy three times a week and doing the exercises on my own at home. And that was my movement practice. It's different for everyone, but making sure that you stay moving. I have a couple of clients that recently incorporated a movement practice, um, through my 12 week program. And they have been telling me like, oh my gosh, it's so crazy that, you know, you don't want to move, but then once you do, and you're, are diligent about it, it feels so good. Mm-hmm. And it's not only for your body, it's for your mind too. And oh, it, yeah. it's kind of incorporates into that whole mindfulness thing of when you are intentional about the movement practice, it's going to have even more significant benefits. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I think about like people that ask me like, how do you rock climb with like rheumatoid arthritis? Honestly, I feel like when I go climbing, it makes my hands even more flexible. Like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I have like more strength in them. Like Mm -hmm. my joints actually feel better after I climb. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like it's so crazy. And I know that sounds like extreme. And of course, obviously, like if you're having extreme inflammation in your hands, you know, you don't want to be doing that. But it's like, I feel that the more consistent I am with climbing and like gaining strength in my hands and my shoulders, which are another problem area that I talked about, I feel like that helps me more, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's like crazy to think that it's like rock climbing is the thing that helps me with rheumatoid arthritis. (laughs) But you know what? There's people that lift that have rheumatoid arthritis, you know, like there's people that lift. So it's like like powerlifting too, which isn't necessarily the best, but they do it. And that's awesome. Yeah, it's a it's a fine line for sure, but I'm glad you're 
you know, you're feeling better, you're back on track. And I think it was really good for you to share that with people because this is the reality, you know, like Rachel shared that experience, but like I have definitely been there a million times too. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think it's important for us to share this kind of stuff because we're health coaches, but yet we're not perfect. And we, like we've said, we've said this a million times. We're not here to be like, we know it all. We're just here to show, Mm -hmm. share what we go through, trying to manage this as holistically as possible. And of course, yes, I am now on a medicine, but you know, I still do everything that Rachel does. We do the same thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But if I didn't, if I didn't do everything that I'm doing and Rachel didn't do everything she was doing, we would be in a whole different position that we are in now. So there's truth to what we talk about. And there's yeah. truth in what we share and we share it because we want other people to know that it's okay if you fall off, you can get back on, you know, mm-hmm. like you can start over and over and over and over again. <laughs> like you don't have to throw in the towel because a flare happened and you're like, dang it, I shouldn't have done that. Yeah, exactly. But, um, it's yeah. it's a constant learning curve and constantly adjusting for what life is throwing at you. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. each of us, we don't necessarily, because we've been doing this for so long, because we are so diligent about holistically healing, there is no quote unquote falling off, but we do get off track sometimes. And we're not afraid to admit it because we do that. We share it so that you can know that you're not alone in this. Everyone goes through that, but Mm -hmm. you can still live your best life and know that you are not your disease. You can still push through and you can still find ways to feel better, even if it's in small ways. Yeah. Um, Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I was just going to say this is kind of like a good segue to kind of like what Rachel and I, I feel like the theme of what we've been kind of talking about on Instagram is just, you know, feeling grateful for Mm -hmm. like, you know, this journey, regardless of the ups and downs that we've experienced and how shitty and painful and uncomfortable it can be. Mm -hmm. You know, we have so much gratitude for the person that we are today because we know what it was like to live the life we had Mm -hmm. prior to all of the things that we do now for ourselves, you know? And that looks so freaking different. And I want to share something because I had posted something about, you know, I'm grateful for having this diagnosis, not because I enjoy pain and suffering, but because I've awakened through pain and suffering. And uh, someone had commented about, you know, like they, that they'll never be, thankful or grateful for having this disease because it's taken so much from them. And all I could say to that person is that we all come to our own perspective at different points of living with this condition. You know, Mm -hmm. some it's sooner, some it's later, and maybe some it's never because it depends on the work that you're willing to put into yourself. And I'm not saying that, you know, that person didn't put work into their self and they don't, you know, they'll never be there. It's just, it's like, I, I don't know why there's such a guilt attached to saying like, I feel grateful for this diagnosis. And I think a part of that is because I know a lot of people that start following my account now are looking at me now and they're like, wow, she's so optimistic and, you know, she rock climbs and she's doing so well. But it's like, guys, like if you really started following me from the beginning of my Instagram account, you would know I was not rock climbing. 
<laughs> my first mm -hmm. post was literally, if you go back to my first post, it says, I'm starting this holistic health journey because I want to get back to rock climbing and I want to evolve. Like literally that's like what I was talking about. And so I was just as scared and sad and lonely as anybody else that gets diagnosed with this disease. And I think it's kind of like, people forget Rachel and I, we have the same disease. Mm -hmm. Like there is no, oh, she has it less, she has it this. It all depends on the situation and circumstances of your life at that point when you get diagnosed and what you do to get that under control, mm -hmm. you know, in the beginning. Like that's very pivotal. Mm -hmm. So like whether that's getting on a hardcore medication to get the inflammation down or whether that's throwing out all animal products and this and that and going extreme with your diet, like it still looks the same. Like you you still go through that initial diet. You still diagnosis. have to make changes. Yeah. yeah, you still lose your old self. You mm -hmm. know, you still like have to adapt to a new life. Yeah. But we want to talk about like, what did our life look like before this diagnosis? Because we talk a lot about we're grateful, like this and that. And we have this like, you know, inspiration and motivation that we share all the time. But it's like, it's coming from someplace deeper, you know, yeah. it's coming from what we've learned. And like we say all the time, having that contrast. Well, we wouldn't be able to be grateful for the person that we are today if we didn't constantly remember the person that we were or experience the person that we were before there would be no contrast you need yeah. that contrast in order to be grateful for those types of things in life mm -hmm. um yeah so erica I, i'm really intrigued to hear what yeah. you are gonna spill here because you gave me a little sneak peek before we started recording but I'm going to, I'm going to let you go first because mm. <laughs> I'm going to let you inspire me into this. I don't know how far back I want to go in this and how deep I need to go. Like you said, people always hear where we're at now. And although we can post all the time and we can talk yeah. all the time like this, yeah, I used to do this or yeah, I used to eat that. It doesn't really paint the full picture. And that's why we are recording this episode all about that. Yeah. So, wow. <laughs> um, I feel like Oh, my life has been, it's a, it's a story for sure. Um, how do I want to, I'm like, I don't even know where to start with all this. Um, okay. So I think when I like look at myself now and the life that I have now, I feel very like privileged to be in the place that I am and being able to take care of my health and have money for, you know, supplements and take care of my mental health and do all the routines that I need to do for myself. But my life growing up looked very different. I mean, I grew up very poor with a single mom. Uh, she did drugs growing up when I was a kid. And my grandma basically raised me and she also had rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and so I didn't really have a lot of guidance. I didn't have a lot of support, which as I grew up, I had depression and anxiety and I was coping with it with alcohol and drugs and just like not really having respect for myself and not even, I didn't have a father figure. So it's like, I was lacking all these things in my life and I was continuously looking to make myself feel better, but I didn't know how to do that. And the way that I was doing that was through eating crappy foods and, you know, drinking all the time and, you know, doing drugs and just living this very chaotic life. Okay. Mm -hmm. Like it was super, super chaotic. And 
you know, on top of all this, like my dad, he had um, this rare brain condition when I was when I was starting college, actually. He had this brain rare brain condition where he was in a coma for almost two years. And so when I was like starting college, I was like dealing with my dad, like even though like my dad wasn't like a huge father figure in my life, he was still my dad. And so like I was attending to that and like he, it, that whole experience itself was traumatic. And then I talked about how I had, you know, my car accident when I was 15. And then you have like the drug use on my mom's part and then the drug use on my part. It was just like, all I can think about is chaotic. Mm-hmm. Like chaotic, like nothing solid, nothing to give me hope in life and to feel like life was worth living. And mm-hmm. I've talked about this before, but the moment that I like two weeks or a week before I got my diagnosis, I literally didn't want to live. I was so sick and tired of being so stressed out to the max because I had conditioned my body to be in a constant stress response Mm -hmm. because of all the traumatic things that have happened in my life. Like any little thing in my life would set me off. So I was having meltdowns every day. I was crying. I was laying in bed for days. I, you know, just totally just, just surviving, not thriving to any capacity. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I look back at that person. I'm like, oh my gosh, like she was just trying to survive. Yeah. Like that's all I was doing was just surviving. And I look at myself now and I'm like, oh my gosh, like so many people get caught up in that cycle of just whether it's like eating, you know, eating like crap or like not sleeping well or whatever. It's like, you normalize that for yourself and you think, okay, this is like what life is, right? Mm -hmm. And you go, this is okay. Like, this is okay to treat my body like this because maybe other people are treating themselves like that, you know? Or like maybe your family example is that, you know? So like my family example was like, it wasn't positive, you know? So Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything to look up to and go, hey, like life could be better. Life could be different. You know, I didn't have any of that. And so when I reflect now, I'm like, I can I can say like, yes, I'm grateful for this diagnosis because it pushed me to do the work on myself that I desperately, desperately needed. And my body had been calling out to me for so long to just like, stop, slow down, you know, just slow down, take a break. But yeah, it's you know, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard. Like, I feel like this, I don't know. I'm going to write a book someday because they're just I so can't many wait for you to write your book. It's going to be so, so good. And so eye opening for a lot of people. There's just so many details. And like, you know, here's the thing, like hearing myself now, like a part of me, you know, yes, I'm just sharing this to like help other people put into context of like who I am now. But there's also a part of me that doesn't even like talking about it not because it brings up any emotion attached to it just because I feel so detached from that person that I was Mm -hmm. like I'm so detached I'm like what the (laughs) like what yeah I talk a lot about in my own journey how when I look back 
I mean, even when I look back a year ago, I'm like, wait, that just, it seems like, yeah, that was a time. Like, I don't look back at it being like, oh my gosh, like it was so bad. And it just like, it doesn't even feel like my life to an extent. Like Mm -hmm. I am disconnected from it, but not in it. It doesn't feel like it's in an unhealthy way. It's more just like, okay, yep. We went through that. And that was another book in this edition. And this is a new edition. Like, Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. I, I, it's really hard to like explain, like, it's crazy. Like it's so hard for me to package my life in this like presentable way and be like, Hey, like this is what I was. And like, Mm -hmm. this is who I am now. The experiences were just so, I don't know. They were so like extreme that maybe now, like my, it's like a mechanism for me to not like be able to go like I'm I'm kind of glad like I can't even bring myself back to like laying in bed and crying for days and like mm-hmm. literally like looking at a bottle of Aleve and like alcohol thinking like if I just take this I don't have to like be here anymore like mm-hmm. I don't have to think about this anymore you know yeah. and now I'm like it's crazy now that I even deal with like pain and this and here you know with the arthritis it it doesn't even compare like my motivation and to get up and to do something positive with my day and for my health. It's like that overrides like anything that I experience with this disease because I just appreciate life. I appreciate my body and I literally have a want to get up and improve my health in my life. You know, like I desire that now. Which is before it was like I had zero desire. I was just Mm -hmm. going through the motions of life. And like sometimes I would be like – and then this is – I know this is very like hardcore to hear, but like sometimes I'd be like, you know, stopped at a train track. And I just thought like if I just kept going and a train hit me, like, wow, like that would be be a nice thing, you know. And so when people look at my life now and they see all these things that I'm sharing – And, you know, I don't post, I don't go searching on Pinterest or something like that and go, oh, like, what kind of inspirational thing can I share to the world today? It's like, I share the things that either one, I'm reflecting on, or two, that a client is going through. And it Mm -hmm. reminds me of my own journey and my own Mm -hmm. self. Mm -hmm. And like, that's why I share these things. And there, you know, someone had commented about like, you know, like, how can you be grateful? Like, how, how, you know? And I like, I didn't have the, I'm not going to sit there and like, you know, share this to a random stranger on Instagram and say, hey, well, I was in a car accident, I almost died Mm -hmm. when I was 15. (laughs) My dad was in a, you know, in a coma for two years. My mom did drugs. Like I grew up poor as heck, not even knowing how I was going to eat. I, I, that's, I feel like that comes from the ego, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't feel that Trying I Trying to prove, to, yeah. Yeah, I don't need to prove to anyone how crappy my life was. And I think that's why right now, like, before we started to record this, I was like, oh, like, I think I could, you know, explain how my life was. But now I can step out of that and, like, listen to myself and go, yes, you're sharing this. But a part of me doesn't want to because it's like a part of me is like, you know what, you don't have to prove to anyone like where you're at now Mm -hmm. and why you're here, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But for, you know, the sake of this podcast and like just, you know, opening up about a little bit who we are, Mm -hmm. like that's the reason I am 
the person I am today mm-hmm. is because I got diagnosed with a disease. It was terrible. And I thought, wow, thanks God. Like this is the cherry on top of my shitty life. You know, mm-hmm. like why do this to me? And now in reality, I'm like, wow, you know, I'm not like a religious person. I don't adhere to like a specific religion, but, you know, I do believe there's a greater intelligence for sure that is, you know, um, there. And so I'm like, okay, whatever that is, like, thank you. Thank you for opening my eyes to how chaotic my life is and like showing me that you can have a peaceful life even if you've been through the most traumatic things in your life. And I'm not even touching on uh, the all the details of everything that's happened into my life, but it's like, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm nervous. Like, I, I'm not nervous, but like, it's just, I don't know, to be able to say out loud now, like mm-hmm. those really deep, dark thoughts that I used to have it's so scary when I think about that for myself. I'm like, wow, like mm-hmm. those were normal thoughts for me, Rachel. Like those were normal. Yeah. And now I'm like, I wake up and I, I want to live. I want to climb. I want to hang out with my mm-hmm. friends. I want to be present. I want to make an impact in, you know, in the world, you know, like those are the things that I think about. And those are the things that wake me up every day and drive me to continue to work on my health. Because I could, I could give up. I could give up today and go, you know what? All this shit has happened to me. Why do I have to continue to live with this disease? You know, I could be so angry and I can be in such a state of resentment and resistance, but I know that's just not, it's not good for me. And it doesn't feel aligned with who I am anymore. Mm-hmm. Girl, <laughs> Sorry. I just need us to take a breath for just a second. I know. Um, that just hit me in the feels so fucking hard that I have tears in my eyes. Oh, yeah. Um, this is something that I have never shared with anyone in the world, literally ever, 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 ever. I had, I went through the same thing. I went through a, a couple years where I had suicidal ideation Mm-hmm. Um, and I have never told another soul because I thought, oh, well, I've never like really thought about how I would do it. Like mm-hmm. it can't, that doesn't count. Mm-hmm. However, I had thoughts all the time of like, if it would be like in the moment of like, like you're saying, sitting at a train track yeah. being like, well, if I just drove through this, like it'd be over and that'd be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I have had that so many times in my life. Mm-hmm. And what you're saying now about how now you want to get up every day and you want to keep going and you want to keep mm-hmm. helping people that just seriously instantly brought tears to my eyes because for the first time in my entire life, I am feeling so aligned and exactly mm-hmm. what you're saying, like mm-hmm. so ready to just go at each day. And I have a different mindset. I talked about this, um, a little, uh, maybe, I think, I think I did an Instagram post about it after Laura passed away mm, about yeah. how, if I passed away tomorrow, that would be, a, and I called you literally yeah. as I was having yeah. this thought. And I was like, if I passed away tomorrow, that would be okay because I know that I've done, but that is such a different place to be yeah. in than yeah. it's fine. I can just go and no one's yeah. going to care. Like, this yeah. is like, no, yeah. wow. Like I finally am at a place in life where of course I want to keep going. And of course yeah. I want to keep shining my light, but 
if I have, if something happened to happen to me, I know that I have done so much to impact other people's lives and to do the best that I can for myself. Um, but yeah, that just like really, really hit me. And I mean, I can't even believe that I'm sharing this right now for the world to hear, but it was, it was years, it was years of that. And it's a weird place to be in when you don't think that there's anything wrong with that. I never Mm -hmm. really thought anything of it. Mm, And like I said, I never like, I guess when I say I didn't really think of how I would do it, that's a lie. Cause I definitely would, like you said, like if you're sitting like in a car and you're going really fast on the highway and yeah. you're like, yeah, huh, I could just like skirt, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is thinking about how to do it. But yeah. I think that because I never really thought about going through with it completely, I didn't think it was a big deal when in reality now with my mindset and knowing that I have this drive for life and this joy in life, I don't have thoughts like that anymore. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's again, the contrast of knowing what that feels like and knowing that now I don't, I don't get those thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, it's not, it's such a hard place to be in, especially when you don't, uh, you don't connect with the fact that that means that there's something more for there out you and you out there for you and you can change it. Mm -hmm. Um, So what were some of the things that made you feel that way? Like, what were some of the things happening to you? I look back, to be completely honest, a lot of it had to do with just the relationship that I was in long term. Like, it Mm -hmm. brought a lot of emotional turmoil. Uh, It was a roller coaster every single day. Um, And I'm grateful for, again, I'm grateful for that I was in that relationship for so long because it made me into the person that I am today. I built so much resilience and strength and courage and, mm-hmm. uh, compassion and all of the things from being in that long-term relationship. But from, if I look back, I was with him for 11 years and I was married to him for two. Mm-hmm. And when I look back within the first year of our relationship, we were already bickering constantly like about stupid shit, like the dumbest shit. Literally, I would like load the dishwasher wrong and he would get mad at me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like my friend Alexis used to live with us for literally a month. And then she moved out because she was like, I can't fucking handle this because he was at my house every single day at my apartment. Mm-hmm. I had my own apartment at the time. He was at my apartment every single day. And then she moved in for like a month because I was trying to help her out because she was in like a really crazy transitionary period and she was really depressed and I wanted to be there for her. Um, and she was like, I can't do it. You guys literally fight about everything. And because I was so in it at that point, we had been together for three years already. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize it. And I was like upset with her. And then now looking back, her and I talk about this all the time, looking back, I'm like, oh my God, I just never saw it. And that's literally how we were from very early on. And that took such a toll on my mental health and physical yeah, and health your spirit, and your mm-hmm. spirit and your like will to just like be excited about life. Yeah, exactly. And while like anyone that knows me knows that like in general, I haven't necessarily changed as far as like who I am, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But the way that I outwardly am not afraid to express who I am has completely changed. Like Mm -hmm. I am no longer apologetic. I am no longer tailoring myself to other people. Um, I really allowed being with this person to dim the way that I express myself when I was around him, when I was around friends, it's a different story, but yeah. 
it just, it really took such a toll. And I didn't notice it was happening is the biggest thing with anything like that. You don't notice it's happening when you're so, so stuck in it. And it's the same Mm -hmm. thing as when you're diagnosed and you're so stuck in that hole. Like I was stuck in a hole when I was first going through my first flare up four and a half years ago. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize just how bad it was until I, um, started, I started just kind of researching, like, how the heck do I feel better? And I started more mindfulness practices and meditations and journaling. And then I started opening up this whole other world of like, oh my gosh, even just doing these simple practices is making me feel so much better. And that was really the catalyst is the diagnosis and having to sit with and not being able to work and not being able to move. Mm -hmm. I was literally stuck in bed and I was like, okay, well, I have a journal. And then I started a blog and I started just kind of like blogging about, you know, what I was missing and things that bring me joy. And Mm -hmm. I don't even know something just clicked. And from that point on, I started realizing that there was so much more out there to life. Mm -hmm. Um, but anyway, just to backtrack before that. So basically a little bit more about my history that not a lot of people know. Um, I was born in Michigan and my mom and dad divorced when I was like two years old and I lived with my mom. She had custody of me. I lived with her. We moved to Nebraska because she met another guy who already had two kids who I loved dearly, my brother and sister. And then I lived in Nebraska from when I was like five to 13 and my mom and I were just fighting so much. I started smoking weed and smoking cigarettes and drinking when I was like 13 years old Mm -hmm. And there was like nothing else to do in Nebraska. (laughs) And then Mm -hmm. I moved to Michigan with my dad um, because I started fighting with my mom so much because she knew like that I was doing this stuff and was like not okay with it, obviously. And she was like super conservative Catholic. And I like was totally, I just didn't believe in any of it. And she still made me go to church and that caused a whole bunch of other Mm -hmm. stuff. Yep. Yep. And then I moved with my dad and kept doing all that stuff through high school. Um, I was in high school for two years before I technically dropped out and then um, started going to community college, taking dual enrollment classes and got my GED. And that's when things kind of started turning around. But that was more so my parents plan, because long story short, my dad and my stepmom were just kind of like Erica was saying, like they um, they were very poor. Like we moved apartment to apartment, house to house. We moved probably three times, uh, my, my freshman year in, uh, uh, high school. Um, and the second time we moved, I had to switch high schools cause it was the middle of freshman year. And the high school that we moved next to was literally across the street. And they were like, look, we both have to work full time or else we can't pay bills. We can't drive you to this other school anymore. You have mm-hmm. to go here. And that was really miserable. And I went from a school where I had tons of friends to a school where I had two friends and Mm -hmm. I ate in the bathroom a lot of the time, like literally like you see in what movie is that Mean girls where she eats in the bathroom. That was literally me. I had no friends. And when my two friends were not there, like they were like, you know, off for the day or whatever, I didn't have anyone to sit with and all the tables were full. And I was like, Mm -hmm. it kind of just like completely stifled my like light and who I was. Um, but I still talked to a lot of the people from the other high school that I had gone to. So any chance I could, I would go hang out with them and I would like stay at my friend's house for days on end. And we would sneak out of her house and we would go hang out with people. We were like 15 at the time. We would go hang out with people that were like 21, 25, like go yeah. smoke yeah. weed all night, yeah. go drive around, go to parties, drinking, smoking, all the things. 
Yep. Um, you know, eating fast food at 2 a.m. every day. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And that was my life. And I thought that it was fun and happy. And, you know, we all have those times in high school. And then after I started doing the co- uh, college courses, I started mellowing out a little bit, but then I started dating my, the guy that I was seeing for 11 months, 11 months, 11 years. Mm-hmm. And then ended up marrying. And so then I started dating him and he would, my parents, again, were working full time all the time. And I was um, technically kind of homeschooled while I was doing these college courses. And he would come, he was in college at the time and he would come up, he went to college in Detroit and I lived on the border of Detroit, which is a whole other thing, like hearing gunshots at night and shit. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. So I would, um, he would come over and sneak over like on his breaks from school. Mm-hmm. And then he would like go back down to school. And then when I was 15 years old, I started going to fraternity parties. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would like go to, I would hop on these like party buses with him and his fraternity brothers who to be like, they were amazing people. Like I have to throw that out there. It's not like I was just like, you know, total scumbag, whatever. Like these yeah. were genuine, amazing guys who literally, if my boyfriend wasn't there at the time, like they would literally take care of me and make sure mm-hmm. I was good and safe. And like, yeah. they were amazing. However, a 15 year old should not be experiencing those, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so I was going to these things and I was going to bars. There was this one bar, which I won't name because, you know, legal reasons, but yeah. I was going to this bar and they would let me in with this like fake ID that actually was a really good fake. It was like an actual Michigan ID, mm-hmm. but I was 15 years old oh, yeah. and yeah. they would let me in. And half the time they wouldn't even ID me, even though I had this fake. And I, I look back at that and then, you know, I started going to college and there was like four fast food places within the campus and I ate fast food multiple times a day. I literally remember, I can like picture my boyfriend and I sitting at, um, in the, in the car, like eating little Caesars or like eating mm, Subway yeah. or eating yeah. Burger King, like on our break because we didn't have time. And yeah, it was a lot. I mean, honestly, if I look back and think like, what, what could have like, cause that's autoimmune disease right I honestly think that it was just from the point from the time I was literally like you know a child I would only I was super picky as an eater I would only eat when I was a child I'd eat like white bread and corn and like buttered noodles and that was it Mm -hmm. and then and like bologna (laughs) and then I started branching out a tiny bit with taste but then it would be like fast food all the time and because I was really poor when I lived in Michigan and like living with my dad and my stepmom like I didn't have money to like get this other stuff. And then I started working and I did have a little bit more money, but I didn't know anything different. So I just kept eating that way. And then Mm -hmm. once I got my own apartment is when I kind of started eating a little bit healthier, but still had people over. Cause you know, it was my first apartment. I was 18 years old. I was so proud that I could even have that. And I still am proud of myself that I have never moved back with my parents, knock on something, but, (laughs) um, I've been on my own for, you know, almost 10 years now and have never had to move back, but I would have people over every single, like at first every single night. And then it was like, you know, every single weekend and we would like go out to raves every single weekend. And I never really did hard drugs when I was that young. I basically would just smoke weed and drink, but like, even that there, it's not necessary, right? Like drinking that much. And especially drinking like UV blue and like 
Malibu oh, yeah. rum and just like oh, yeah. really highly like artificial toxic like stuff that you just don't need to be putting in your body that's a whole other yeah. thing but yeah well I mean I was drink like I wasn't just okay so I just want to really quickly kind of contrast to your story like mm-hmm. I started also like drinking very young smoking weed I think I was around 13 as well which is crazy I'm like mm-hmm. thinking about a 13 year old doing that like I know I'm thinking about my siblings who are 15 and 18 what? and I'm like I can't even imagine them doing it. No. And then when I was like 17 or maybe I was like 16 or 17, I think I even tried Coke at that point. Like Mm -hmm. this is how like I just – I'm thinking about this and I'm like, wow, it's so insane how like you have even access, like you said, to these things when you're so young, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And then when you don't, like, it's like these people that you're hanging around kind of become like your family, like they're, you're like, Mm, yes, they're not supporting you you in a healthy way, but you think that they are. Mm -hmm. And you're like, like, they're my ride or dies. Like, exactly. My best friend at that time was like thinking back, like, I wouldn't have honestly done half of the things that I've done in my life. It, it, you know, I'm not just putting the blame on her. Obviously, I said yes to a lot of these things, but like I wouldn't, I guess, have been exposed to a lot of these things if it wasn't for this particular person in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just like when you're young and you're vulnerable and like you're going through things, especially with like family or like you know, trauma, like you don't know how to properly cope with it. And like mm-hmm. drugs and alcohol and like partying. They're all that an stuff easy out. Just, yeah, they're in, they're definitely an easy out. But it's like, uh, what was I going to say? I was going to contrast to, uh, oh, like you said, you started like college and like, uh, you know, you started to kind of get back on track. And actually, so no one in my family, dad's side or my mom's side of the family had gone to college okay Mm -hmm. I don't even I think my mom I think she got her like GED later to like go to massage school and then my dad I don't know what I don't think he even finished college so like for me I was like in the most chaotic state of my life like drinking alcohol doing all this stuff doing drugs and then I remember like when people you know were getting out of high school they were like oh I'm going to college I'm doing this and that and I'm like no one ever had a conversation with me about mm-hmm. what college was. I didn't even know what the heck it was. I was like, USC? Why? UCLA? Like, you know, I didn't even understand, like, you know, what all goes into going to a college. And so I randomly just decided to apply to a community college, uh, mm-hmm. like, a year after high school. And, like, I did all the financial aid stuff by myself. Like, my mom didn't even help me. She, all she did was, like, sign the paper because I was still technically, you know, under, like, the income of my mom at that point. And, like, I did all that. And, like, honestly, going to college for me was the thing that saved me from, like, all that kind of lifestyle. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm I'm actually smart. Oh, actually, like you know, I could be successful. Oh, I have potential. Like I didn't know any of those things about myself until I went to school. But then I think I took it to the extreme level where I was putting too much pressure on myself. I was obsessed with my grades. Mm. It was causing me a lot of stress. I was like doing too much. And so I think that's where it led me. Like 
I think all like my energy and chaoticness kept getting like transferred to like these different types of things that I could like channel yeah. my energy into. So like whether it's like drinking and alcohol or whether it's like fully immersing yourself in school and like stressing yourself out to the max, mm-hmm. those still are not healthy places to be. Yeah. Right? It- yeah, it's just another vice, a, yes. another way of coping. That's not necessarily a healthy way of coping. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there was something else that I just, I know, thought. sorry, I cut you off, but I'm like, there's so many, no. like, I was so like, many different I, facets to it. Well, I also didn't. Okay. Here's the thing guys. Like, you know, Rachel and I are still getting to know each other. So it's like, she's telling me things right now that I didn't know. And it's mm-hmm. funny because like, if you were to look at your Instagram, right, or just like look at the person that you are now, you're very bubbly and outgoing and optimistic and like, you know, you're excited for life. Like anyone could easily perceive you as like the cheerleader in high school, you know, Mm -hmm. like you're beautiful, you're smart, you're this and you're that. And it's like anyone could look at you and go, oh, like Rachel's always been that way. Like goody two shoes. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. But it's like, you know, obviously, like you said, like who we are, like, you know, fundamentals of our personality have obviously not changed. Mm -hmm. You know, like I still have, I'm very sarcastic I'm very, like, silly. I'm very, like, have weird humor. Like, all those things are still there, right? Mm -hmm. But, like, we're talking about, like, our coping, you know, how we cope with life, how – And how we outwardly express ourselves. Yeah, yeah, how we outwardly express ourselves, you know. And how we interact with others. Mm Mm-hmm. And, like, we talk about this all the time, like, changing the narrative of, like, who we want to be and, like, you know, things like that. Like, those are the things Mm -hmm. that we're talking about that, you know, have changed and have – made us come to this place in our life where we're like, oh my gosh, like we're so grateful. We're not, you know, because we could easily still be doing those things. I know people that went to high school with me that are still living the same lifestyle, Mm -hmm. hanging out with the same people, doing, going to the same bars and doing the same things. And I'm like, my God, that looks so exhausting. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad I don't do that anymore. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Another thing that I was talking about in the post that I did after Laura passed away, which a moment just for Laura, um, something, I guess it kind of like prompted both of us to want to do this conversation as well is that there was a really dear friend um, in the autoimmune community on social media that recently passed away from cancer. Um, And I had the pleasure of meeting her when I was in Denver, we met up, we went on a couple hour walk and it was really, really nice to just talk in person because we had known each other through social for about a year prior. And um, after she passed, it really gave each of us an opportunity to reflect on ourselves and how proud we are and the kind of the legacy that we would leave behind because she definitely left behind so much positivity in this world and to her clients. And it's just a really beautiful thing. And one thing that it got me thinking about was when I was in middle school, there's one girl in particular that always comes up in my mind, but also there's, you know, multiple people and I'm sure everyone listening could relate that there was like the nice girls in school that like truly were so bubbly and so kind and you could, they could yeah. never hurt a soul and they were yeah. always nice to everyone. They never talked shit about anyone. Yeah. Yep. And I would always look at them and be like, how? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't understand. Like, how are they so nice? Like, why do do they not see like the crap that I see? Like, I don't get it. And now the other day I was in Michigan visiting family and 
my sibling was like my, I don't remember what was said, but I was talking to my mom about some conversation that I had with some guy and she was like, well, were you nice to him? And I was like, and I was about to answer. And my sibling goes, Rachel's nice to everyone, mom. And for a 15 year old sibling to say that I was like, yeah, I, I almost got tears in my eyes. I was like, Oh my God, I am that person now. Like, yeah. and I hear it all the time, you know, people saying like, Oh, you're so kind this and that, and not to shoot my own horn, but to think that I was the person who would talk so much shit about people behind their backs, yeah. Yeah. who was living in this, just like stagnant state of mind. And again, mm-hmm. I've always been a limited, I, a limited. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I've always been bubbly. I've always had a lot of energy. However, I was not using it to, mm. you know, for the yeah. light of the world and for the light of other people, I was yep. using it in such a negative way and didn't realize it again, when you're in it like that, you don't realize it, but when you're on the other side, you see the contrast. Mm. And I was that person. I was just like living life. And just, if I was around, I was surrounding myself with really negative people that I thought yep. again, my rider dies, you know, yep. mm-hmm. and that's not to say that there's not, that there's something wrong with like letting loose and having fun and like smoking weed and drinking. But like when that is literally your entire friendship is centered around that, like maybe reevaluate the people that you're surrounding yourself with. Mm -hmm. Because for me, that was really detrimental. And when I was, um, when I was in college, like I said, I started to kind of straighten out when I first started going to college, but then I was going to fraternity parties and stuff. And it wasn't until grad school that I really started to like reevaluate. And I started surrounding myself with really amazing people. And yeah, I would go out and party here and there, but I was like, really, you know, when you're in grad school like that, you don't even have the time to like have a social life outside of your school friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it was, that's when I started to kind of shift, but I was still very unhealthy in my eating and stuff. And the biggest thing that I just keep coming back to is the fact that that relationship that I had, and I don't want to, I'm not bashing it by any means because it was necessary. And I still think very fondly of him, but I, it really was detrimental to my mental health. It damaged the way that I perceived myself. It damaged the way that I interacted with people around me because I was in this constant state of stress from the relationship And that would trickle down to every other friendship and relationship in my life. And I would take things out on people and I would get really angry and I would yell at him and I would scream at him and I would get, Mm -hmm. you know, just like really nasty a lot of the time. And I'd get really passive aggressive Mm -hmm. and I didn't. I didn't know how to cope with the, ang- the the way that he was making me feel. And so I would just lash out at him. And that yeah. ended up, again, coming out onto other people when I didn't mean for it to. I was just not, I don't think that I was a pleasant person to be around at the time, mm-hmm. honestly. I mm-hmm. I would not have wanted to be around me back then. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, I do want to say, like, so how you're saying how you were and, like, you know, lashing out and like, you know, bringing out the worst sides of you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I had been dating, who's now my husband, we had been dating like a few years before my uh, diagnosis. Well, I would say like four years, actually. Yeah, four years before my diagnosis. So quite a while. Mm-hmm. And um, I was not, I was still not that person that I am today, right? Because mm-hmm. I would like, I was still living in that very stress uh, survival mode. I was very agitated. I was always lightheaded. I was always hungry because I was not eating the right food. So therefore, my mood was always off. Uh, you know, I was 
you know, getting angry at him. Then he was getting angry at me. Mm -hmm. And like, we would argue. And like, so it's like the beginning of our relationship was honestly, you know, we, I don't think we would have gotten married if it was, if it wasn't for my diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And it's because this disease forced both of us to take a look at our selves individually right mm -hmm. not just a couple but look at us individually and think about how are we living our lives like is this like gonna be you know detrimental to your health or is this gonna be health promoting you know and so if it wasn't for that like i wouldn't even be married to my husband because we were still chaotic because i was still chaotic you know like mm -hmm. my husband comes from like a really solid you know uh home environment like his family his mom and dad are still married like you know he has like a healthy view of like life just in general right and like I didn't and so I didn't know how to be a good partner for him you know because I never had yes, an example I, can I never so had, relate to that yeah like I, I didn't have a good example of that and like I had a lot of talking about you know being unconscious a lot like I was a totally unconscious person like mm -hmm. totally not self-aware even though I thought I had self-awareness <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, I really thought like oh like I've been through so much in my life as a young person like I'm self-aware like I have wisdom and it's like I look back on that I'm like no you did not <laughs> like no you did not like you were still like in survival mode totally operating from the same like you know conditioned habits and whatnot that you had been doing your whole life but like I was like repeating a lot of the the coping that my mom mm -hmm. did for herself and like her reactions which were to kind of be reclusive like get depressed like you know all these types of things like I was starting to do for myself and I was becoming that person and I and I can't believe you know that I now have this awareness of like i can stop myself and if i feel like i'm falling into the same patterns as like my mom or like whatever person in my life that i didn't like or didn't like about that person like i have the self-awareness to be like you know what erica you can make a different decision mm -hmm. you can make a you have a different choice you don't have to repeat the same thing that has been going on and on and on in your family history yeah like, you can change that and like once I started to really understand that like, yes, I like I don't have to be that like I don't have to fall victim to my past. I don't exactly. have to fall victim to my circumstances or, you know, the way that I was raised. Like I can consciously make new decisions for myself that will that are geared toward the life that I, I envision for my life. You yeah. Know? I can so relate to that. I think that you are a beaming example of, you know, both of you growing together in your relationship. And I was with my ex for like seven years prior to being diagnosed. Mm -hmm. And it was the opposite. Like I started having all these realizations and changing who not, I always say changing who I was as a person, but like to an extent, right? Cause I keep saying I've always been energetic and bubbly yeah. for the most part, but not like bubbly in like a inspiring other people way more just yeah. bubbly as like, I just have a lot of energy. And yeah. so maybe not bubbly is the right word anyway. So, um, I 
started making these realizations. I started doing a whole lot of self-work and I think to a certain extent, and this is all speculation, I don't know, but I think to a certain extent, he started seeing that and almost being like, um, intimidated or like bothered Mm. by it. Yeah. And I was genuinely trying to, he would ask me questions about things or seem interested. And me as a person, if you tell me that you want to make a change, I'm going to be there for you every step of the way and do anything I can to empower you to make that change. Yeah. And so I thought that that's what I was doing. And later down the line, I realized, wait a second, I'm basically just trying to change him. Like Mm -hmm. I am this changed person now and I am essentially trying to change him and we can't change people. We have to, we can empower them, but after that it's their choice. Yeah. Um, and they're not going to change unless they genuinely want to. And so I really, um, I didn't make that realization for years. It was years of me changing and growing and evolving and see- and seeking out my own truths and doing research and trying to heal holistically and helping other people. And it was years of him kind of backlashing for that mm, because, yeah. you know, he would try to do things to, um, to change and then would fall right back into old habits. And I would try to empower him past that. And it just probably felt like I was like smothering him. Mm, And that started being the downfall of our relationship. But I honestly, and I've never said this publicly, but it was years of knowing like it wasn't going to work, but I still got married to him because I loved him. Mm -hmm. And I thought that things were getting better. And then I still, you know, I still continued to be with him and give him chance after chance after chance and continued to get disrespected and continued to be in this really like, honestly, it was emotionally abusive to be completely honest. It was emotionally abusive. And I really hate saying that because he is a great person to be honest. And Mm. we did have good times, but the things that happened in our relationship, or I should say outside of our relationship Mm -hmm. were really disrespectful and really hurtful. And then I would get gaslighted about it. And that was damaging to parts of my healing process during after having autoimmune disease, I was making all of these incredible changes and feeling good overall, but then I still had this really sad home life Mm -hmm. and I was doing anything I could to escape it. And that's when I started kind of falling back into, you know, seeking out validation from people that weren't necessarily a hundred percent, you know, there to empower me, but more so just to kind of keep me stuck. And Mm. I was seeking out, I was like trying to, you know, go out and get drinks with friends more often. And doing these things just to get out of the house and like be away from him and not have Mm -hmm. to think about it. And I was also doing things um, like to try to kind of get back at him, not to the same extent, but like in different ways that I knew would bother him, which is not me, but that goes to show that even though I was already on this path of like enlightenment or whatever you want to call it, I still was easily falling back into that habit because of outside things happening in my life. It's really easy to like, it's a slippery slope. And I, I'm sure Erica can relate too. like, I still catch myself from time to time, like, especially in the dating world right now. I'm like, there are times when like a guy won't text me back or something. And I'm like, and then they finally will. And I'll be like, oh, well, I'm not going to text back for like an hour because Mm -hmm. they didn't. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. Rachel, like, stop it. If you don't text back now, first of all, if I don't text back right away, I'm going to (laughs) forget. Second Mm -hmm. of all, like, why am I going to do that? Just because they are, I'm not that Mm -hmm. person. I don't need to do Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. There's just so many facets. We could go on forever about this because it's, it's, I hate saying that a big part of my mental health journey was because of that, but it is. And also the fact that 
up until I was 18, I was living with my, from like 13 to 18, I was living with my dad and my stepmom and my dad deals with PTSD. He was in the military for, I don't even know, 20 plus years. He was deployed to Afghanistan twice, Iraq or Iraq twice, Afghanistan and Saudi Arabia. So he's seen some shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and he deals with PTSD. He deals with bipolar depression. And yeah. I know that I have depression and that's something that I don't really talk about either because I know how to manage it. And I know what to do for myself to keep myself out of that. Mm-hmm. However, it is something that creeps back in when I am not paying attention to and being diligent and intentional about my mental health and mindset mm-hmm. practices. Yeah. And um, 100%. that's something that a lot of my clients get glimpses of when I talk to them, because obviously I pull a lot of personal experience to help them, but mm-hmm. it's not something I talk about outwardly because it's a very personal thing and some personal things don't necessarily need to be talked about. And I do talk about mental health in general a lot, but my personal depression journey has looked very different than a lot of people. And I would never want to like discredit someone because I know that when you're dealing with really extreme depression, it can be really debilitating and hard. And I think that the only time that I've truly experienced that extremely debilitating depression is when I was first diagnosed, but Mm-hmm. Other than that, I've found ways to cope here and there, not necessarily healthy ways every time. Yeah. But it's hard when you have those influences around you. Like I said, when I was living with my dad and I, that was my foundation of, you know, in my teenage years, seeing that relationship between my step or my dad and my stepmom mm-hmm. was seeing like, he was very passive aggressive and he was, mm, you know, yeah. a little bit emotionally abusive. And then I fell into that with my relationship. And I didn't see that that's the way it was until like, you know, eight years later Mm -hmm. because I was so in it and I was used to it and it was something that was familiar. And that goes into like a whole different, you know, there's plenty of psychologists and doctors and stuff like that, that talk about, you know, falling into patterns like that and not realizing it. So plenty of books out there on that. And that I feel like could be a whole different topic, but yeah. That's, that's where I was at. And it sounds very similar to something that, that you experienced, Erica. Yeah. You know, when I think about like, you know, I don't say depression lightly, you know, I think a lot Mm -hmm. of people, like, I think it's just difficult when you have, like, I think about like depression to me is like, it's just a dark cloud that you feel like you don't even see what the world can look mm-hmm. like outside of that. Absolutely at all. And yeah. I was in that pretty much, I would say, my entire life. Like, so I have um, on my health history that I give um, to people if they're interested in working with me. One of the questions I ask is like, you know, when was the, you know, the healthiest or the best you've ever felt in your life? Mm -hmm. And I was like redoing my form uh, yesterday, actually. And I like, I asked myself, I was like, well, when have you actually, like prior to all this, like, Mm -hmm. when was there a healthy, like positive time in your life? And it's very, very like crazy that I can't even reflect back to even my childhood you know, past like, you know, my high school days and like acting out and, you know, um, I can't honestly, I can't recall anything like good. And it's like, it's such a weird feeling because when I hear my husband talk about like his childhood and like, you know, the, the, all the things his family did and like, just like the structure and like, 
I don't have any of those memories to like recall. And it's very crazy to like think that you could get through most of your life like mm-hmm. in that state. <laughs> like, I don't know. And so I look at myself now, I'm like, that is severe depression because that severe depression was like my whole entire life. And so when you just said like, you know, it's easy to fall back into it, like, there are plenty of things that can trigger me for sure to like get into that state where like I just want to be in bed longer today. Mm-hmm. Like I just don't want to like, you know, have to think about this, this and that, you know? And it's scary like when you feel that and like when mm-hmm. you feel like you feel it creeping sucked. back in. Yeah, when you feel like you're getting sucked back into that and it's like mm-hmm. but then I just I I have to find it within me. Like I just have to find something within me to give me some motivation Anything. to keep going. Anything. Yeah, that's kind of like what I talked about when I was talking about how I went through that recent breakup back in April. Like I truly fell back into that depressive state yeah. for days and even though I was in that because I have come so far and because I know what makes me feel good, I made sure that at some point every single day I did at least one thing that would make me feel at least a little bit more human or joy or something outside of that depression. Mm -hmm. Even then though, it was really hard and it's hard to get back out of. But once you do build the tools and once you do build that kind of confidence in yourself that you can do something to make yourself feel at least 1% better, Mm-hmm. that's when it really starts to feel better overall because you get back. It's kind of like we talked about in the past with flare-ups, like, you know, you've been here before and you will get through it. And it's yeah. not like I, I never went down back into that place of, oh, well, I could just end my life tomorrow or tonight and not be here tomorrow. And it'd be fine. I didn't mm-hmm. ever get to that point because that's just not where I'm at anymore. And I honestly, yeah. you know, years ago, probably would have even up until, three years ago, I was still, I would still have those thoughts cross my mind. Yep. Yep. I mean, exactly. Yeah. No, I was just going to say like, you know, the first couple years of my diagnosis. So I got diagnosed in 2016, like the first couple years were heavily focused on diet for me, like Mm -hmm. very heavily focused on diet. And, and really until I started like understanding like the true mind body connection and like just having more self-awareness of what I'm thinking, how I'm feeling, like are my behaviors like aligning with this life that I keep telling myself I'm going to be like this happy, healthy person? Like, am I actually doing that to align mm-hmm. to that? You know what I mean? But like it took, and even now, like, I mean, my God, if you really compare where you're at now and I compare myself where I'm at now like it's really nothing in comparison to this whole life that you've built mm-hmm. in certain ways that, you know, your belief system and, you know, your uh, just your perception of yourself. Like those things are so deep. Like people don't understand. They're so deeply embedded into you that it takes a tremendous amount of effort every single day to break Mm -hmm. free from those things that, you know, are keeping you sick. And a lot of people Mm -hmm. say to me like, well, I'm doing all the things you're doing. How come I'm not feeling better? You Mm -hmm. know, like, oh, you must, you must have it less. And it's like, and, and it goes back to like, again, my story. I'm like, if anyone, if anyone was gonna feel better and like get their arthritis under control, it was not going to be me because all the cards were absolutely mm-hmm. stacked against me. I'm talking like 
unbelievably stacked against me. So if I could come from a place of, you know, I mean, having alcohol poisoning several times in my life, you know, literally doing cocaine off the urinals at the fair. I mean, like doing, I've tried, I've tried a lot of things. Okay. I've done a lot of things in my life to help me cope, but I'm just saying like, I've done so much freaking crazy crap and I've been to the lowest of the lows. And if I can come out of this, like you can definitely come out of it as well. You know, I'm not sharing this because it's, you know, I want to give you guys an entertaining story. Like it's actually crazy for me to hear those things now come out of my mouth. But like, if I can come out of this, if Rachel can come out of this, and if you can, you know, continuously put in that effort and just keep, you know, giving yourself compassion and just taking each day as it comes and just trying your best to Mm -hmm. just be your best every single day to show up as your best self, the self that you envision for yourself. Like you can get there. Now, can we give you a timeline? No, you know, Mm -hmm. like no one has a timeline. We all have to go through through things in order to find out things about ourselves that we need to change. Like that's just what has to happen. But like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just like thinking about how much you know how thankful i am just to be in this position with you right now and to be able to talk about this and to feel like safe and understood and to talk to someone who truly gets it like you truly get Mm -hmm. it you know like there's a very few people at least in my life or that i know of that have had such extreme transformations with their life like yeah we got diagnosed with one of the worst possible diseases. I mean, they're all bad. Okay, we've said this all the time. But like, you know, this is a terrible disease. And we have, you know, instead of of it letting it be like, you know, the end of it all, you know, because we could have easily ended our life. Like imagine feeling depressed and then this happens to you. Like, oh my gosh, it's just like, you're like, okay, I'm done. (laughs) I'm tapping Mm -hmm. out. But instead it somehow drove us to you know get to the place that we are here today and like yeah it's almost like it's almost like divine intervention in whatever way you want to think about it it's an opportunity to take a step into a new direction you know one door closing another one opening um Mm -hmm. and something that you touched on was saying that it takes a lot of work to completely shift mentally and that is something that I don't want anyone to take lightly, but I also want you to realize that even a tiny little shift is going to make a difference. So one of the biggest missing pieces in the autoimmune community is the mindset piece and is recognizing that your body and your mind hold an incredible amount of trauma, even when you don't realize it. Yep. Mm-hmm. And working with a coach, working with a breathwork facilitator, working with a Reiki healer, whatever it is that you feel inclined or called to do is so vital because you will not fully heal. You will not feel more aligned unless you really tackle the deeper things. Just like Erica was saying, when people come to her, or come to me and say, well, I'm doing all the same things. I'm like, people come to me all the time. I'm doing celery juice and I change my diet and I, I move every day, but I still don't feel a difference every single time. It's the mindset piece. That is why Erica and I are coaching programs are so heavily focused on mindset and mental health is because 
That is the missing piece. That is what's going to make the difference in how you feel without that intentionality, without that really, really strong focus on who you want to be and having that vision Mm -hmm. for yourself. Mm-hmm. nothing will change. You yep. will not feel better. Yep. I promise yep. you. I yep. know for a fact, cause I've had so many clients go through that. I have clients that just finished my 12 week program that were diagnosed 12, 15 years ago. Yeah. And they're just now starting to feel better and more aligned because they've mm-hmm. now started to scratch the surface on mindset. Yep. You can't become a new, you can't become a new person operating from the same level of mind that you've been mm-hmm. operating your whole life. You have to literally create a new state of mind, something that is unfamiliar, unpredictable, you know, something that is, you know, going to, if you're feeling, if you're not feeling uncomfortable and you're not feeling vulnerable, you're not doing the right work. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because if you're feeling comfortable and you're feeling safe and, you know, the actions that you're taking towards your health, that means you're not you're not pushing yourself into a new realm. You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to you're not going to get there if you're operating from the same place that you've been operating your whole life. And that's the most difficult and challenging thing for people to understand. You know, like I had a vision for myself from the very beginning and I was like not that I just wanted to get back to rock climbing so I could just be the same person I was. I was ready to completely become a new human, completely mm-hmm. reinvent myself, create, mm-hmm. create a new mind, a mind that I had never lived in my entire life. Like those were my aspirations, you know? And it's like, that's the type of mentality that you have to be in to be able to, to get to a place where you can really understand you know, the place where we're coming from of saying, you know, we're grateful, like that's the type of work that we're talking about. And I hope this conversation has helped you understand Rachel and I a little bit more of like, why we share the things that we share? Why do we talk about the things that we talk about? Why do we have this podcast? Why do we have an Instagram? Why do we try to share some light into the autoimmune community? Like, why are we working so hard to change the narrative? It's because we've changed our own narrative and we know that other people can do the same for themselves. Mm-hmm. This oh my has gosh. been a long, this, I don't know, we've been recording for quite a while now. So yeah. And I mean, we could keep going. <sighs> it needed to be there, I mean, each of us have such deep stories and oh, such yeah. long stories and oh, we will yeah. definitely obviously continue to share more about our stories as this podcast progresses. But because, you know, this is now going episode 27, mm-hmm. um, we wanted to be able to share who we were before because you get so much of a glimpse of who we are now, especially through social media, Yeah, that it's hard for us to constantly be sharing about who we were without mm-hmm. kind of harping on it. And so yep. this gives you a yep. really good opportunity to get an idea of who we were and the things that we were stuck in and the things that we still have to deal with as a result. But mm-hmm. that's what makes us who we are. And that's why we're here to share our wisdom and share our appreciation for where we are now and show you that you can do it too. We're not sharing this, you know, to toot our own horns. We're sharing this because it's important for you to realize that we are success stories and we're continuing to work on ourselves and that you can do the same thing and feel better. But it really, really comes down to that, the foundation of who you are and who you want to be. Yep. And one last thing I will say that, you know, I have definitely not celebrated myself 
the way that I should be celebrating myself Mm -hmm. and the way that you should be celebrating yourself because we have put so much work into this and we have become better humans and we're using that to better the world. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, and my old self would feel like very uncomfortable with saying that because it'd be like, oh, you're conceited, you're this and that. And it's like, no, like this is genuinely coming from a very good, you know, authentic place with inside me, you know, like Mm -hmm. I should be celebrating myself more and like understanding like, damn, Erica, like you put so much work into yourself. But that's something that I still need to work on for my own self because it is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to celebrate your growth, but like you really have to because that's how you put it into perspective of like, you know, where you are today. You know, you Mm -hmm. have to like take a step back and not like we've said this before, not to dwell on the past and say, oh, that one, you know, that sucked. I had to go through that. But to be able to say like, damn, like I'm so happy. I am not that person, whether it's slight changes that you've made in your life, they make a huge difference. Mm -hmm, For sure. So I want to give everyone a little idea because something that Alexis, my best friend and I did uh, back in, I think it was in November, we had a party. Oh, we're due for another one. Actually, we had a party for ourselves. We literally invited two other friends over. It was just four of us. And we made little banners. I went all out at the dollar store, got a bunch of like decorations and like those little beads and like noisemakers and like a sign and balloons and literally got these little banners for each of us. And we wrote down on our banners. They were like those little, um, kind of flag ones where it's like separate kind of pieces or whatever. Mm -hmm. And they were just these white plain fabric from the dollar store. I think I spent maybe $20 on everything. And we each, we took some time, we played some music. We each took time to write down one thing on each piece of that banner. I think we each had maybe like eight pieces and we wrote down an accomplishment, whether it was something in the past year, something in the past five years, anything, something that we're proud of. And we, then it was so much fun. We didn't actually plan for it to happen this way, but this is exactly the way that I would do it when we have one again, we would then took time to present So like, oh, wow. So we would say like, okay, Alexis's turn. Right. And she would be like, oh, like I got a new job or whatever. Like I said goodbye to a toxic relationship or whatever it was. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we would all clap for each other and be like, and then you would string it onto your banner and like put it on the string. And then the next person would go and we went around in a circle and we each took turns saying one and the other people cheered for you. And so a you're acknowledging your own efforts. and accomplishments. And then you're also allowing other people to acknowledge it. And it feels so freaking, it was so cheesy, but so much fun. Highly recommend. We like got cupcakes from my favorite place. We had a bottle of Prosecco. Like we literally went all out for it and it was the most fun. Like I still look back at photos of that and it makes me so happy and so joyful. Oh my God. I highly recommend. Okay. I absolutely love that because literally I know we were trying to end the episode, but just the other day I was telling my husband about, you know, like reflecting because I, I, I just been doing a lot of reflecting lately. I've been doing a lot of writing and I've just been kind of like reorganizing like my own health coaching program. So it's making me think a lot about myself. But anyways, I was thinking like, you know, I was getting really upset kind of upset about some people in my life that like, and I haven't felt this way in a while. I think it's because like certain things have come up where it's kind of reminded me of how I 
feel about that when people are like they can't really celebrate like the, your accomplishments because they're like in their own ego they can't mm-hmm. like acknowledge someone else's yeah. like, growth that they've made for themselves but then again i was reflecting on my own self i'm like well that's my own ego wanting you know them mm-hmm. to want to celebrate me right mm-hmm. so it's like i think it's a good idea to do something like that for yourself or with people that actually genuinely feel that way about you because it feels good mm-hmm. you know like there's no denying it feels good when people can say like damn Rachel you got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis and For now sure. you're a health coach and now you're a fitness trainer now you do this for people you spend every day of your life helping other people like that's so amazing like good for you you know it's like and I feel like uh, I you know I've had to this is something that I'm working on is to truly truly let that go that like I can't expect I I can never expect anyone to do or say what I would hope that they would Mm say. You know what I mean? Like there's just no point because it's like everyone's in their own head about certain things and it's like I can't change that and I have to feel good on my own about my own successes and my own achievements. Mm -hmm. And like we have to be able to celebrate ourselves. And, like, that's why, like, having you as a friend is, like, we both can celebrate each other, like, genuinely celebrate each other because we know what it freaking feels like to Mm -hmm. go through this. Like, you know, like, we understand the true gravity of what getting diagnosed with an autoimmune disease looks like and what could potentially come out of it, you know, and what we've been able to achieve through our own self-work. It's just absolutely amazing. So I'm proud of you. You're amazing. I'm so thankful that you're in my life. And I'm Aww, so thankful that we have I'm this. I'm so proud of you too. <laughs> I seriously think like, I'm so thankful every single day that we kind of fell into each other's lives and that we mm-hmm. have this platform and that we're building something. And I just want to throw this out there. We're going to manifest this literally from this moment. This has yeah. kind of not a whole lot to do with this, but I'm going to say it anyway, because I had, okay. So I told you I was in the sauna earlier. I was doing this meditation and the meditation was all about holding space for others. And, um, it was only like a 10 minute guided meditation, but something came through so freaking clear. And I'm so excited about it because I know it's going to happen. Are you ready? What? What? So I saw a retreat where we were both hosting in NorCal. I saw the house. I saw the trees. I saw the people there. I'm getting shivers as I'm talking about this. (laughs) I saw it all. Okay. So we hosted this retreat. It was four days long and it was in 2022. And I saw the people, like the girls that were there sitting on this couch and then this like really comfy chair. And we were standing in the front and we were talking about how grateful we were that we had this community and that these people were there. (gasps) Isn't that crazy? Rachel, literally like three days ago, I had this vision of us doing a retreat together. Stop it! I'm not (laughs) lying to you right now. I was gonna ask you at some point. Wait a second. I'm not not messing with you. I'm not messing with you. 
I was envisioning, I envisioned some reason, like, it looked like Costa Rica. It looked Ooh. like tropical. I don't know if it's going to be, it doesn't have to be out of the country, but I saw very green. I saw us yes. together, like, standing in a kitchen with people. Yes! And, like, I saw us doing that. So that means. Oh, my means God. It's real. happening. It's happening. No. It's I'm already saying, in the works. Okay, I'm freaking out. Whoa. I'm freaking out. Okay, well, on that note, we got to, yeah. Oh, my we, God. We got to get off of this. We got to start planning, guys. We got to start planning. Um, so if you're interested. If that, yes, I'm like, let us know now because the more people we have that reach out to us and say, like, they would love something like that to, you know, for us to do something It like helps that, us to plan. That's going to help us plan. It's going to know Oh, my God. We, this is crazy. Oh, my God. This is so amazing. I love that we both saw, like, a lot of greenery. What is happening? This is I amazing. Can't, I, I can't believe so you much. said that. I literally <laughs> thought that a few days ago. So, okay. All right, guys. Wow. Well, this is no talking about alignment and living your purpose and allowing things to shift into place the way that they're supposed to. I mean, come on. Yep. Yep. None of this would happen. First of all, if neither of us were ever going through what we went through or diagnosed or on social media or talk or went live on Instagram or started yep. a podcast or meditated or decided to work on our health <laughs> or anything. So yeah, well, I think we should end there. Um, we hope that you guys do honestly reach out to us, reach out to us. Let us know if you would be excited for us to do a retreat because I know I, you know what? It's going to happen regard. Like it's going to happen. We're going to happen. It's happening. You just need to so tell let us if you're interested you're if you yeah. want to be yeah. on this wait list. So yeah. Yep. Oh my God. Oh my God. All right, guys. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to our Autoimmune and You podcast. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe, and share on social media. We really appreciate every bit of support. Sharing is caring. Every like, subscribe, and share that we get helps us get our message out to more people. It feels like, okay, let's just start. Ready? Really? Ah! <laughs> okay, wait, what? I what? Really, what had that vision?